0: Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and M. am Em. And I'm Cosy, And welcome to This Week. Even though we're on to episode eight, I still need to read that off a script, but we move, we move. How has your week been? What have you been
1: consuming? My week has been good. I consumed a little bit last week. I was at a wedding on the weekend, so we didn't have like Wi-Fi or internet, so I felt very... Ye oldie, very Amish. I think I made some like horrible jokes about not having the internet, not having my phone, as like missing an organ. I'm like, I need to get some perspective. I had a lovely weekend, lovely week. I consumed this great TV show. It's on binge called Boiling Point, and it's essentially a continuation of a film that uh, was released during COVID. It's very much like The Bear, so it's basically set in a restaurant in London, and it's all but it's all one shot. The film is all one shot. And it's um, basically a really hectic night of service at this very uh, trendy restaurant in London. And it's about all of the different relationships and conflicts and tensions between the team. And Stephen Graham, who I love, he's one of my favourite actors at the moment, plays the very chaotic... Drug addled head chef. Yeah, basically about his sort of meltdown over this night of service and the team that surrounds him. So that came out during COVID. That was fantastic. Incredibly stressful watch, but really, really great. And then they've just started a continuation TV series with all of the original staff, original staff, original cast and staff reprising their roles. And it picks up six months after the film ends with Carly, who was the sous chef of the film, now running her own restaurant with the staff from the previous film and it's really really good it's on binge it's four parts apparently and I really really enjoyed it I have a confession what I didn't love
0: the bear and I don't love cooking shows
1: it's so fine no 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 that's completely fine do you, are you like a big foodie do you love food
0: I am like give me ready steady cook any day but the stress of a kitchen fiction yeah okay
1: can't do it I really like them. I love like the camaraderie and the quick wittedness and the sort of... The tensions. The tension. Uh, But I I love that. I love those sort of operatic shows where everyone looks really choreographed with what they're doing. You can't see me, but I'm waving my hands around to indicate the operaticness of it. Is it... Less stressful than the bear? No, it's probably more stressful than the bear because also they all have different regional accents. Oh, fun. My dad watched the movie during COVID and he was like, I can't hear anything because he's also got not great hearing, but he was just like, I can't hear anyone enunciating. It's impossible for me. (laughs) And so I feel like if you're not, you haven't watched a lot of shows where in like UK shows where there's like regional accents and stuff, it's a bit difficult. I found it all right. But I will just say as well, there's one guy in it who deserves a real shout out as I think in our first episode, I I said the phrase, a thinking woman's crumpet, which means like a very attractive British man who just really gets you. (laughs) And this guy, Ray Panthaki in Boiling Point plays Friedman, Friedman, the, uh, I think he's a sous chef now in the TV show. And he is just fantastic. And I want him in every TV show. And I love him and I have loved him. He was in Marcella, this really fucked up crime drama that I used to watch back in the day. And I was always like, he's like good and great and good looking. <laughs> and Osman Faruqi actually posted about him last week. Osman Fruki of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age being like everyone's sleeping on Road Panthaki. And I was like, no, Osman, I love him. No, I'm I here. Him. <laughs> I get it. But he's great. And he's like the sous chef who's got anger issues. But I'm like, yeah, throw it at me. I love you. So that's my recommendation. Boiling Point, everybody. It's on binge. It's slightly stressful. I also wouldn't watch it when you're hungry.
0: Oh, that's fair. I felt that every time I watched. um, Did you ever watch The Chef Show with John Favreau? Oh, the TV show. Yeah. No, I've only seen the movie. Okay. Watch the show. I watched the show and then the movie and the movie was like, whatever. The show, you cannot do it hungry. (gasps) No,
1: the movie is so good. It is
0: cute. It is cute. But the show just hit a bit harder.
1: I can't watch the movie Hungry. Every time he makes those fucking sandwiches and he makes those sandwich and there's one shot where he like massages the bread into the butter and I think about it regularly. I was literally thinking about the sandwiches. I also love that John Favreau, he's the guy who directed Chef and he stars in it and he made Sofia Vergara his wife or ex-wife.
0: Such an Adam Sandler move.
1: Pop off, King. Do
0: it. No, if you could choose, who would you cast as your Hollywood husband?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Probably just one of my crushes. Henry Cavill, True. Tom Sturridge. Uh, I was obsessed with this actor called Tom Hughes. The real ones, remember, when I was obsessed with Tom Hughes. Uh, I would say one of them. But probably Fair. if I like had to right now, it would be Henry Cavill. But it would be specifically Henry Cavill in his 2015 era when he was in um, The Men From UNCLE because I don't think I've ever seen someone more attractive, be committed to film. And also specifically, there's this GQ article that happened when he was first cast as Superman and there's like one photo of him wearing a suit. That's, I would marry that era, Henry Cavill. Okay. Who would be yours?
0: I'm trying to think, and I know that someone's going to come to me after I say this, but probably, and I did literally watch This Means War an hour ago, Chris Pine probably.
1: Really? I can see that. Like his character in This Means War or... No, no, no. In
0: in the movie, I would have gone with Tom Hardy. In real life, I think I would go with Chris Pine. Okay.
1: This Means War also is a movie with, is it Reese Witherspoon, yeah. Tom Hardy and Chris Pine. And she they're both spies and Reese Witherspoon's a normie. But she's kind of having an affair with both of them. Good for her.
0: And she doesn't know that she's dating both of them. And they're like, what are they, adopted brothers or something?
1: Yeah, something stupid.
0: It's male competition and bravado and whatnot. But I love yeah. it. I've been here since the Princess
1: Diaries days. I like Chris Pine. Original enemies to lovers. When they push each other into the fountain.
0: And then more recently, like the Don't Worry Darling
1: cult leader era. Yeah, I really like his fashion. I feel like he's a very fashionable guy. Every time I see him out and about, I really love what he's wearing. I loved him in um just my luck with Lindsay. Yeah, oh, a little a little baby. Yeah, I was a baby then. I do like a cardigan man. So he'd be your husband, okay? Yeah, I feel like I would say Henry Cavill, but I don't know. Actually, he's just like very, like hunk hunky. You
0: also have to go like if you're doing the Adam Sandler John Favreau thing, you have to go for the mm. like
1: stereotypical
0: attractiveness. Do you reckon?
1: Yeah, like
0: you have to go for like the Salma Hayek or the. Sophia Vergara. Do
1: you think that Henry Cavill and Chris Pine are the sexy vibes of Hollywood for women? I think so, but the I fact you've
0: asked me makes me doubt it. Who else I don't know. Maybe like um Chris Hemsworth, but Oh, I mean That's not he's so
1: bore though what was what was your weekend like what was your week like what's your recommendation
0: week was good 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 I have a lighter recommendation it's a podcast again actually it's a whole season oh amazing that I churned through last week it's called wiser than me and it's hosted by the one and only Julia Louis-Dreyfus as in
1: god I love her
0: Elaine from Seinfeld and also, she's also in Veep, oh, isn't
1: she? Yeah, she's uh, President Selena President Selena Meyer in Veep.
0: So we love her. She's a lovely lady.
1: So she dropped a
0: podcast season earlier this year, which totally went under my radar. Basically, she sets out perspectives that we kind of turn a blind eye to as women age. So she touches on the idea that women are. Only valuable during like their prime years, and then they just completely drop off the grid because we don't want to hear from them anymore. So she speaks to famous older women like Jane Fonda, Fran Leibovitz, Diane von oh my Furstenberg, God. Carol Bennett. Like it is such a good lineup, and this is only the first season. So I would say start with the Jane Fonda chat. I think it's one of the first episodes, okay. if not the first anyway. And I would Die for Jane Fonda. So,
1: have you seen that video of her and Lily Tomlin being like, How many Peabodys do you have? I have two. How many Oscars do you have? I have one. (laughs) Like, it's so good.
0: I love it. We'll post it on Instagram because it's so cute.
1: I was going to say, Isn't it so funny that Julia Louis Dreyfus and us both decided to do a podcast in the same uh, time period? Yeah. Have you ever seen
0: us and Julia Louis Dreyfus in the same room? No.
1: No, we're just two other hilarious brunettes, or are we actually?
0: Yeah. Are we all separate, gorgeous,
1: smart women? Gorgeous women, beautiful women of comedy who have been around since the late 80s, early 90s. That's us.
0: But yeah, the podcast, it felt like a chat between girlfriends. And they were talking about everything like cosmetic procedures and like whether Jane Fonda regrets oh, wow. them. or And like relationships with men and fame and all that good stuff. So highly recommend. Listen I to us in a different podcast form julia come on the pod
1: oh can you imagine no actually i couldn't (laughs) actually imagine that would be just too much for my little brain to deal with i'd be like just talk to me like you talk to everyone on veep just be mean mean to me love you
0: on the topic of iconic people and age Mm. northwest of kim kardashian and kanye west fame has graced the cover of id magazine at just 10 years old i won't lie the interview was very cute and she was asked questions like what her favorite
1: animal is and I mean it was barely an interview it was a Q&A like it's like a, a little survey <laughs> I could have emailed those answers like come on that's like what you write on a blog that's something that you write cute, in like
0: though. in the front of your grade three reading journal
1: yeah what does your mum do what does your dad do what's your favorite animal it's, it was really cute it though, was like, cute one of the yeah.
0: questions was who's your style icon to which she replied me I get it I get Why it not? it's fine she's Very sweet. Part of me is like, yeah, that's refreshing. Like, I love a celebrity interview that diverges from the norm. But she's also a (laughs) child.
1: Because she's 10. That's why it diverges from the norm. <laughs> no 10-year-old is getting interviewed. What did you think about it?
0: It doesn't surprise me at all, which I think is yeah. a little bit sad. Like, I think they've been breadcrumbing us for a little while. They've been saying in episodes yeah. of the Kardashians that North is obsessed with fashion and she she's good in the spotlight and she's personable and funny. Mm. So it makes sense that they're setting her up for fame from now. I feel like there are some celebrity kids who are kind of like pushed into the shadows and they get to decide which way they go. But North, they've gone, okay, the world is your stage. What do you want to do? But I'm also, I keep coming back to the fact that she is a child. We've seen
1: child stars
0: turn out a little worse for wear again and again and again. Oh,
1: I mean, they crash and burn. Yeah, 100%.
0: And we're in an era at the moment where we're seeing lots of influencers and like YouTubers who have typically been very open about their lives suddenly not showing their children on their platforms anymore and completely hiding them from the limelight so on one side of the internet that's happening and on the other Northwest has a magazine cover and I just think it's a big statement what did you think?
1: I look I enjoyed it in the sense of she gave funny answers and it kind of also made me a bit sad but I like you not surprised but that it happened because I think obviously Kim and Chris are she's the next generation they're the lack of a better word, like grooming her for the spotlight. It's the machine. I hate saying that, but it's, yeah. And I feel like that it makes sense. I wonder what Ye had to say about it. It was interesting to me because my thoughts were when I've seen or read 10-year-olds being interviewed previously, they've been like Drew Barrymore or like Anna Paquin and they've been interviewed because they're in ET or like they've won an Oscar. Yeah. And North hasn't really done anything but it's by the same virtue of when Paris Hilton was getting famous and everyone was like who is this girl why is she famous why is she being interviewed just it's just because she's the daughter of someone and Paris was like 17 18 19 and it's just the same thing but North is 10 yeah so I'm not I think I'm not used to seeing it in that sort of this sort of situation so it's sort of the same thing as I like other people and I don't really care that they're famous for just being famous but because North is a literal child it hits a little bit differently but I liked that all of the clothes in the shoot were knots. They were all her clothes. She was styled, but it was in her own things. And I, and I thought it was sort of interesting the way they asked, you know, do you like having a picture taken? And she said, yes, only when I want to because sometimes, you know, I don't want to sometimes, but not by the paparazzi. And it's like the fact that she can even say that, that she even knows how to differentiate that. And she's 10. It made me sad and but she's also a bit of a hustler she was like <laughs> I want to walk dogs I want to make money to buy art supplies because everything around here is so expensive <laughs> also the fact that she even knows that things are expensive I'm like babe you live in Calabasas you don't pay for anything calm down and she says she wants to be a rapper a basketball player she's going to make artwork because she is actually very talented if we all believe that she's doing those artworks which I think she is and she wants to own Yeezy and schemes she wants to be a business owner so I think Kris Jenner might have gotten in her ear a little bit there, but yeah, the normalization of the paparazzi stuff and and the being, it's clear that she's on like a different echelon. And I think she, whether she's aware of that or not, I don't know, but it's interesting. But I think she's definitely the best spokesperson for the next generation of the Kardashian, West, Jenner, whatever you want to call them, because Mason and Scott and Courtney's son has been kept very much out of the spotlight in his latest years after being born on camera.
0: Mason did have that rogue... Oh, the Instagram thing.
1: (laughs) That was so funny. When he was like, yeah, I don't really love my auntie Kendall or whatever (laughs) it was. He was such a savage.
0: And then we haven't heard from him since, so...
1: He's probably like in a hole somewhere with Shelly Miscavige. Rip (laughs) Mason. Yeah, he's out of the spotlight. Penelope and North are seen out and about. Chicago and Psalm are a bit young. Dream is not really on anyone's radar because Rob's not really on anyone's radar. True. True is fine. She's got a little prick for a father, Tristan Thompson. Um, so, <laughs> Tatum's too little. What are the other ones? Stormy and Air. Stormy's gonna be like this like goddess I'm sure. Air is a bit too soon to tell to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah the little baby. It's weird to me and I think this came through in North's interview that they obviously know they're famous. Like North knows that her oh, life is unusual and that not everyone is famous yeah. and I just I don't think I could have wrapped my head around that at 10
1: no how can you reconcile that
0: I knew that art supplies were expensive but that was about the only thing I have in common I, with think, the North. I,
1: <laughs> I think I definitely knew what being famous was because I would like I think like any child you want to be famous I was like yeah, I want to be in movies I want to do this I want to like I'll... but I was someone who very much liked fashion and film and because those were things that my parents you know, we watched a lot of films and my mum was very like, we were both into fashion and things like that. And we had Total Um, Girl
0: or whatever.
1: Yeah. So I knew what it was. I mean, we had Vogue and Tatler in our bathroom. So it's like, what do you want to read that? But I don't think I could have recognized it as much as she does, obviously, because I wasn't living it. I was just living in Sydney as being a little 10 year old girly. Whereas North's living in The US living a totally different life.
0: It's kind of like the Millie Bobby Brown thing that we spoke about a couple of eps ago where she's woman of the year at 19 years old with an impending marriage Mm. and a real like weather beaten
1: vibe. Oh, totally. She's been through the trenches. She's like, I'm so tired. I want to slow down. Is that going to be North? Like, are we going to check back in with her in 10 years and she'll be like either in rehab or a
0: retirement home?
1: If North gets married at like 23, I'm going to be really mad. I want North to live an amazing life. I'm sick. And I also think in the Kardashians, the women, like in the family, the women take on so much. The guys get a free pass and it's the women who have to deal with things. And it's the women who are the breadwinners. It's the women who go to bat. I just can't cope if North has to become like the Kim of this family. Kim is like the new Chris. She's the matriarch. She pulls everyone together, whether or not you like the way she does it. But I want these boys to take responsibility for their lives later on, too. But yeah, overall, interesting...
0: Interesting decision by ID.
1: It makes sense. It's entertainment. It got people talking. Some of the talking. magazines are so rogue recently. Did you see that Interview Magazine did a whole spread with Sam Asghari? Yeah. Uh, Britney's, Britney's ex-husband on the week of publication of her book. And all of the comments were so savage. They were Good. like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why? Why? <laughs> and then it's like this, I'm like, what is happening? It
0: feels like... I mean, it's felt like this for a while, but every magazine is just so desperately treading water that they're like, oh yeah, we'll sell our yeah. soul to the devil. That's fine. We just need to stay afloat.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's very odd to me. Yeah. But, you know, good on Kim and Chris for hustling this for North. North, I hope I hope you have a business plan in place. Let's get into something else that's happened. This This is very vintage. This is a very vintage topic for the two of us, but something's happened on the internet this week. That brings us back to Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson, two members of One Direction. And if you were a One Direction fan or if you were in any of that orbit, you will know that there was a theory back in the day that Louis and Harry were actually a couple. They were together and their couple name was uh, Larry Stylinson. (laughs) This theory that I thought was dormant (laughs) has now come back in full force in the past couple of days after Louis, who's now a, he's like the solo singer now because obviously the One Direction's broken up. They say it's a hiatus, but they've broken up. Louis was doing a QA and a on X, formerly Twitter. And one fan asked what I thought was a seemingly innocuous question uh, that has a whole bunch of subtext that says, Louis, how do you make chicken Parmesan? Apparently there's a rumor. There's a theory for Larry Stylinson that Harry and Louis had chicken Parmesan on their first date <laughs> And I found a whole deep dive. I also went on to read it again for this, but let me just do a quick summation, and then we'll go into our thoughts. In 2010, Harry tweeted Louis's first ever cooking experience, winky face, along with a picture of Louis making chicken. He later said in interviews that this was the first that the first meal he cooked was chicken stuffed with mozzarella wrapped in parma ham, which can I just say is not chicken parmesan. That's completely different. It's not a palmy. Then in 2012, Louis was asked, what was the most romantic thing you've ever done for a girl? He replied, I can't really cook, but the first dish I ever made was for my girlfriend, Eleanor. I made chicken breast wrapped in ham, homemade mashed potatoes and gravy. So in the minds of all of these people, they're like, oh my God, it's the same food. But Eleanor and Louis hadn't met when Harry had tweeted in 2010. So people are like, this is the meal he made. The timelines don't add up. When he says he made this romantic meal for Eleanor, they hadn't met yet. So it was actually for Harry.
0: Therefore, romance.
1: Yeah. So then this this person said, Louis, how do you make chicken parmesan? And then Louis clapped back saying, you start by realizing all these... Uh, ridiculous childish theories and conspiracies are wasted time and energy and then just throw the chicken in the oven to be fair simple stuff <laughs> pop off louie
0: not being a follower of one direction while they were together i didn't know this was a thing until later it's still it pops up on my tiktok every so often does it i didn't realize just how cursed this corner of the internet is like there are some theories oh yeah It's like, it's that photo of Charlie Day from Always Sunny with like the memo board. You can connect any dots if you just make stuff up. And that's what this Larry side of the internet is.
1: Because t- obviously last week we did talk about Taylor Swift and, and, and theories and things like that. But this is predating all of that and a bit different.
0: At what point do you just not care anymore? Like it just seems to be a full time job to be so speculative about someone's sexuality 10, 15 years ago, like a really long time ago. It's the fact that Harry's never spoken on the rumor and Louis has no. kind of addressed it before speaking about how damaging the rumor was to his friendship with Harry and also yeah. like his relationship with Eleanor I was interested when I saw headlines about this because I thought oh like it must be something he must have really come out and responded because why else Mm. would mainstream sites be focusing on it and it's really nothing like it was quite scathing for him to go please shut up get a life. that's what I read it as yeah but in response to that point a bunch of crazies have been tweeting things like this one was my favorite thanks for actually ruining our day after the good vibes we had going since yesterday's tour announcement I'm legitimately livid and completely disappointed in Elle right now sass is one thing straight up rudeness is another especially when it's completely uncalled for please get a
1: life that I think that's my thoughts surmised this is interesting because yeah, as you say, Harry's never spoken about it. Louis's been scathing on it, but they've never addressed it. And there's also never been in terms of like when we when we talked about Taylor Swift and I've talked about Taylor Swift and this sort of thing a lot with my friends. But she she doesn't feed into it. But there are lyrics, there are timelines. It's very different. There's always going to be speculation about her because she constantly keeps writing things that you can be speculative about and doing things that you can be speculative about. This has never been addressed they've never written anything about it
0: there's also the Taylor Swift machine where there are easter eggs and there are things that she wants you to read
1: into so she's an easter egg artist and she also she wrote her own songs to be fair Louis is the most prolific songwriter of One Direction but they're totally just completely different you know look maybe they kissed one time what's a kiss between friends on a bus you're in a very emotional space you're growing up together you're each other's everything what's a kiss amongst friends
0: I'm all for fandom culture. Like, I think if you love something, shout it from the rooftops. I I do not care. But also be like 2% normal about it.
1: This is like vintage internet shit. Like, I'm so surprised that we're talking about this today. I'm so surprised that this has even come into the minds of people.
0: Yeah, half half of the people speaking out about this were probably in preschool when also, this was happening. There
1: are much better theories. If you want to talk about Harry and theories, there are much better ones. That's also a story for another day. But this is like be probably the most bore one that we could be talking about. Speaking of Taylor Swift,
0: we have Sophie Turner News.
1: Oh my God, yes. Sophie Turner, formerly Sophie Turner Jonas, has now got a new man in her life and... She's moved onwards and upwards and I respect her so hard for it. So she's been spotted. This is all according to Tatler. Kissing the honorary peregrine, Perry Pearson, the heir to the Cowdry estate in West Sussex and the fourth Viscount title.
0: That is such a made up name and no, see, Like he
1: sounds like a silly little spy. No, he's, he's, he, think of it as like Bridgerton. This is, we're in Bridgerton. Uh, so according to the sun, the pair was spotted in the daytime streets outside the Garden Nord in Paris. And they were just chatting, laughing, and making out. And after the kiss, they parted ways. Then apparently they reunited in Paris' Stade de France, where Sophie Turner unveiled the Rugby World Cup trophy, which was super random. I saw those photos and I was like, what are you doing there, babe? I'll get briefly into Peregrine, Perry Pearson's. What a great name. I love this name is Perry. It just makes me think of um, Perry the platypus from Phineas and Ferb. Every time I say Perry, I'm, I want to go like, Perry... Anyway, they've been spotted making out. Good for her. He's very interesting. So he, his family seat is the Cowdrey Estate in West Sussex. Uh, the vast, sprawling 16,500-acre home is the home of the family. They've owned it for over a century. It's primarily used as a wedding venue. It's also used as a polo, uh, polo club. And his father is the fourth Viscount Cowdery, Cowdery. So he is the heir to, I was about to say heir to the throne, heir to the title. My God.
0: He's the British Northwest.
1: Yeah. So he used to go out with, and as soon as, this is so funny, so as soon as I saw them making out and I saw his name, I was like, I know this guy. Then my mother texted me and she was like, look at these photos. Look at the guy. Perry used to go out with uh, Princess Maria Olympia, who is one of the princesses of Greece. She's not technically a princess because in 1974 all family members were stripped of their honorific titles but it's like a courtesy title now so it's more just um personal identifiers rather than nobility titles so she says she's a princess she's not technically but she's still part of the greek royal family it's just they got deposed basically she's the oldest daughter of pavlos crown prince of greece and his wife marie chantal so they used to go out and Olympia's brother, Prince Constantine Alexios, is also reportedly dating Poppy Delavine. So they're it's all very um, connected. But I wanted to do a little deep dive. Do you know about like Princess Olympia and all that? No. Oh my god. M- you must you must follow on Instagram. Olympia used to go out with Perry, now going out yep. with Sophie. Olympia's mother, Marie Chantal. This is like iconic. I'm obsessed with her. So her mother Olympia's mother, Marie Chantal, was one of the Miller sisters who, they were huge, there were three of them, huge on the social scene in the 90s. So Marie Chantal married Pavlos, the crown prince of Greece. Her older sister, Pia, married Christopher Getty, as in the grandson of like the Getty. Getty images. Getty, Ooh. yeah. Getty images and Getty um, like oil, like um, all the money in the world, That those Gettys. And then her younger sister, Alexandra, married Prince Alexander von Furstenberg, as in son of Diane. So they're basically like the three most iconic people, the three most iconic sisters to ever get married, ever. They're basically like in, the, in, um, in Pride and Prejudice when Elizabeth gets married to Darcy and then Jane immediately gets married to Bingley. And you're like, oh, shit, yep. these girls have gone off with the two of the most eligible guys. This is basically what they've done. And... They were, all, they were all interviewed actually for the It Girl edition of New York Magazine talking about just like being hot and amazing back in the 90s as well on the social scene. But I loved all of that, those connections, but Sophie's also been seen out with Taylor again. Did you see those photos?
0: I did with Selena and Gigi and Brittany Mahomes.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize that she was also, Brittany was also a retired women's soccer forward. Good for her, oh my god, fun! We Good love a spot Yeah, we do. Ben Bendel, back him, but so yeah, they were all spotted in New York. But I just loved that it was Gigi, Taylor, and Sophie, all of whom at one point throughout history have been with Joe Jonas, and then you have Selena Gomez who was with Nick. The stories they could tell, the stories they are probably telling each other. How scared is Joe Jonas right now? Alright, very scared. I also like the idea that Sophie's leveled up into literal aristocracy. <laughs> oh my god, me too. If she becomes the fourth vi- uh, Viscountess. Can she do it? She's got the bone structure for the aristocracy. Oh, definitely. And also he's hot. Perry's hot. I think you have to kind of be hot when your name's Peregrine though.
0: That'd be cruel otherwise. I need your thoughts on something. And I put it in our doc to kind of warn you because it's, it's not going to be a rant. I saw the paragraph and I was like, whoa. All right. Whoa. I'm feeling heated. So... Since the latest wave of reporting on the ongoing Israel-Hamas war, there are very loud voices on social media demanding each and every celebrity influencer, person with some kind of vague crumb of fame Mm. demanding that they speak on it. And like the comment sections are filled with people saying literally it'll be as vague as speak on it or why are you silent or what do you have to say? Or a lot of people are just putting the flags. Yes, people are just putting flags in there. And I feel like nobody is thinking about the end goal or purpose of this. I am left wondering, what's the point? What are the obligations on celebrities to speak about world events? Because obviously you want people with a platform to speak on important matters. And I fully support calling out people for spreading misinformation. Different ballgame again. But I don't believe there's value in bullying every like blue tick into speaking about something they probably know nothing about. No. And people aren't I think that people aren't bullying them to they're not doing this to learn about war they're not doing this to get information from someone or shape their own perspectives they're doing it to bait rich and famous people into tripping up and yeah and then just I just don't on. think that's needed then yeah it's not needed in this conversation I also think there's a bit of blame passing happening like it's it's like if I can call out this person for doing a worse job than me I'm absolved of all sadness and guilt and confusion and oh, that's angst about what is a very that. real issue. I don't. I, it doesn't make sense to me, and I think it's a bit of a distraction. But I do think that a lot of people on social media are just turning to the celebrities to go. I don't know what to do in this situation. Why don't you know?
1: Yeah, because like if they if they've got the platform, they will be well informed. They should know where they stand. I don't. I might not know where I am, but I'm going to be led by these people. So if they're not speaking out, how can I know what I'm thinking? I think at that point it's like we really need to look and question the value that we place on celebrities and their thoughts and their opinions and I think this happened again like during COVID and I think a very interesting part of that happened quite early on when Tom Hanks and his wife got COVID and everyone was like oh all of a sudden not Tom Hanks getting COVID now we really have to freak out the best man in Hollywood's got it and I'm like oh, I'm sorry, were the thousands of other people who were getting infected and dying not enough for you now that fucking Saving Private Ryan is sick? Did it really take (sighs) Tom Hanks to get you to care about this thing?
0: Yeah. The COVID examples that I think of, obviously the Imagine video is a special case because... That was depraved.
1: If you don't remember that, that was did Galga Dot Galga Do organize that? Someone organized it. It's the worst idea in the world. And it was this video of all of these famous people singing Imagine by the by John Lennon. It was all these people just singing, being like, We're one together as as, you know, humanity and whatever. And it was just so tone deaf. It was awful.
0: And the singing wasn't good in the first place. Like, don't no, make me No, it was watch that.
1: terrible. Did you, do you watch the, bo- I feel like we've had this conversation. Have you watched The Boys on Amazon? Because they parody it. Oh, really? I watched a few episodes. They parody it in the latest season. And I, when it came on, I screamed because it was so well done. It was so funny. But obviously, you know, making fun of a terrible thing that happened, but God, it was good. But why do we need a bunch of people singing Imagine to raise awareness for a disease? and anything like that
0: around the same time do you remember ellen jumped on socials and was basically just talking about the need to socially distance whatever and people hated that because obviously she's sitting in a massive mansion saying make sure you're careful about where you're going like stay home that's what we're getting from celebrities like they're not they're not on the same level celebrities and rich people they're fundamentally unrelatable no
1: and to be fair not to be fair, but that, I, I think when Ellen did that, that was the start of Ellen's fall from grace. I think that was one of the first things that happened because everyone was, it was off Dakota her. Dakota Johnson and then Yeah, everyone was off COVID her for Dakota merging. and then the COVID thing happened and then people were tweeting saying, what's the worst thing that, what's your worst experience with Ellen or what's that? And then that was the start of Ellen's fall. I remember when that video came out, I was like, shut up, Ellen.
0: Do we want them to speak or not? <laughs> I also think we forget that a lot of celebrities aren't very right and I mean that in the nicest way possible no, but agree. they're not purporting to be researchers or experts or masters or doctors they're not coming out and saying I'm the person you should listen to on this matter or I am a news source and I feel that if you need your favorite celebrity to come out and say oh here's what's happening in the world then yeah. you have a bigger problem and like if your information seeking begins and ends with Instagram stories then th- that's a big issue and we yeah. can address that I don't think we need to turn to these people who probably don't have a well-informed opinion. And no. yeah, maybe they should because they have a lot more resources at their disposal. But
1: but it's not their job. Why do we expect they,
0: them to? It, they go on a yeah. set and they
1: learn lines and they, they're just familiar. And I think that's what it is. People want familiarity. People want in times of distress and horrible things happening. Yeah. People want those things. It's like when during COVID it was so important for us to like it was that's why there was so much discussion around the arts industry because it was like people go to the arts for comfort people want to watch their favorite tv show people want to watch a movie that will bring them comfort and that's the that's their job but i don't i'm not expecting chris yeah. pratt to post about the Israel Hamas war I don't want to hear Chris Pratt's opinion you know I don't want to hear Reese Witherspoon's opinion or Kerry Washington or whoever like I don't feel like I need to hear that I'd rather it's just not necessary for me but but I do understand that like of course it's important for celebrities to use their platforms to raise awareness for social issues but it's like I think my mind isn't like put at ease once a celebrity's posted and I think there are more meaningful ways that people can show a difference as celebrities rather than posting like you've got we spoke about Millie Bobby Brown before she's a UN ambassador or whatever it is young liaison to the UN or whatever and you've got someone like George Clooney who spent decades doing so much work you know and someone like Angelina Jolie I mean I know she gets kind of shit on for a lot of things but she's done a lot too whether or not they're actually making a difference who knows how much but I mean at least they're kind of doing things that indicate that they actually are caring about the bigger picture and they're doing more. Whereas I don't really care about like if someone from Gossip Girl posts about this and like, and I think as well when people who do post about it, they instantly get piled on and uh, particularly the, you know, Bella and Gigi Hadid who are Palestinian have always been incredibly vocal about their support for Palestine and their dad as well. And now They're getting absolutely threatened, all this stuff online. And it's like, well, what do you expect? They've always been explicitly pro-Palestine. I'm pretty sure in Bella's Instagram account, uh, on her bio, it says Palestine or something I think. And it's like, A, what did you expect? But B, they're now getting death threats and all these horrible things. And Gigi then came out with a statement but then had to clarify her statement. And it's sort of like, well, out of everyone, you shouldn't be surprised – their thoughts we shouldn't have to wait for the hadids to post about it like it shouldn't i shouldn't sit there being like oh but what do bella and gigi think i'm more like well what do the leaders of our countries think what's what what's happening what's going on i don't need bella and gigi to like we don't need bella and gigi to speak out it's important that they do particularly as high-profile palestinian celebrities to show support what if we reserved our
0: energy for lobbying politicians or joining activists or marching or learning from genuine resources like commenting on a celebrity's post literally does nothing and you saying you are a worse person because you haven't spoken on this doesn't actually affect anything like it doesn't change anyone's stance they're not some kind of ethical Lighthouse for how we should live our lives.
1: If anything, none of like a lot of them really aren't. If you think about it, they are. I think I don't think we should be taking our ethics lessons from Hollywood, one of the most historically stuffed-up, corrupt, like insane industries. Love them, but like, let's be real here.
0: Obviously, I think everyone should be politically engaged, but that doesn't always mean posting on social media. Especially half of these celebrities don't even post. I think there's a point where. It isn't helpful, like adding another voice into the mix, especially in this instance where there's a lot of propaganda to wade through.
1: And it's disingenuous if someone just does it for the sake of doing it.
0: Exactly. And it, yeah, I think social media, obviously now it has more of a role to play than 10 years ago, but it's not the be all end all for these kind of matters, which makes people with a following on there not the be all end all on these matters. So like, I just don't think we need another famous voice in the mix speaking about something that they don't understand and just casting more confusion over their followers yeah who don't follow them for any other reason other than they wore like a nice red carpet outfit or they were in a fun movie
1: I just don't think we should have such high standards for these people like I just don't think we should I think I think I do because I enjoy celebrity and I like it but I'm also a realist
0: and I'm like people
1: are gonna do things you don't agree with they live in a bubble it's a very different situation it's like we shouldn't put these people as the moral and ethical compasses of the world let's reserve that for politicians can we and I don't think it's as simple as
0: because we gave them that platform then they should use it in the way we want them to because that's a bigger question about why actors and people in Hollywood earn more than anyone else in the world why class exists in the way it does
1: it's a whole different conversation there but there's so much to unpack there there's so there's such a a discussion to be had around like the ethics of celebrity and like we gave them the platform what do they owe us what do we owe them how does it work it's always been a such
0: a poison chalice it has and i just don't think people have a goal in mind when they're going to celebrities and saying hey you haven't spoken on recent crime rates in this city no. there's people aren't thinking this is going to clear up confusion about something this is going to change people's stances on anything yeah they're just going to kind of be a little bit antagonistic and I just don't think that's productive that's my rant for the week I yeah well I'm, ab- I'm about to go into another me. rant okay go hit us
1: okay So, Rolling Stone have come out with this article. I think it's honestly the dumbest thing I've ever read. This is the 50 worst decisions in movie history. So, we did a list. We're very into lists here at That's All. We thought we'd talk about this. So, this is essentially a list that Rolling Stone's put together, as I said, of the 50 worst decisions made in movie history. And they've said, the one thing all awful movies have in common is that somewhere along the line, somebody made at least one critically bad decision. In the past few months, we've given you the 50 worst decisions in music history and TV history. Now it's time for the 50 worst decisions in movie history. And this list is honestly the most insane thing I've ever read. It's basically just like all of these decisions that were made across movie history. That were which a- is a long a- time. That were app- Yeah, that were apparently crap. But the some of the entries are so unhinged. So it starts at number fifty with Hugh Grant getting arrested for lewd conduct with a sex worker in Hollywood, which people maybe don't remember, but it happened. It was just um, after Four Weddings and a Funeral came out, and when he was dating Elizabeth Hurley, and he got caught with a sex worker on, um, I believe it was yeah Sunset Boulevard. And I'm like, okay, that's a it's a controversy. I don't believe it's one of the worst decisions in movie history, but as we get further down the list and Emily something to a TikTok about this earlier today of this guy kind of ranting about it and it makes so much sense. So also there are some real omissions on this list firstly, but at number seven, they talk about the Twilight Zone movie, which is one of the kind of biggest tragedies in Hollywood. This happened on the 1983 set of the film, one of the lead actors and two child actresses were killed uh, on set and it happened during the shooting of the time-out segment where a man travels back in time to the Vietnam War and needs to protect two Vietnamese children. Director John Landis hired seven-year-old Micah Dinley and six-year-old Renee Shin Yee Chen for the roles, even though he didn't file the legal paperwork requiring them to appear on camera. Then during the filming of the action scene, and apparently they weren't even supposed to be on set for this a helicopter crashed in this scene the blades decapitated Morrow and lee chen was then crushed to death the sequence was removed from the film and years of lawsuits followed even though nobody was found criminally liable for what happened the lawsuits revealed that basic safety precautions were not taken and then steven spielberg was a producer on the film and he said no movie is worth dying for obviously that is correct steven but that was number seven on this list they're saying that there were six things that were worse Than two children and an actor dying on a movie set. That's a bit whiplashy when also on
0: this list is cats' experiments with digital fur. Oh my God. They should not be on the same list. They should not be in the same
1: realm. We should not be talking about them in the same breath. No. And number five is Matt Damon turns down Avatar. I'm like, oh, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. He doesn't get a percentage of the earnings of Avatar. Pray for Matt Damon. It's actually, it's just, I find it, blood-curdling and ri- and ridiculous the fact that they're saying oh the worst movie decisions of all time it's like you're putting you're lumping in tragedies with stupid business decisions and other dumb things and like number four is Will Smith slaps Chris Rock that's I- not a movie decision no like a number what's dumb? what is even number one something stupid a racist movie back in the day that was obviously terrible and of course anything that was done in the 50s or 40s was tends to have horrible racist characters and things like that and it's like apparently this movie the Conqueror maybe killed John Wayne that's obviously terrible if it happened sounds like stupid and they don't even talk about Brandon Lee who died in The Crow who was um Bruce Lee's son they don't even talk about that one of the biggest tragedies that's not even on the list. They That's don't even, even talk the about list. the Alec Baldwin rust shooting, which is also incredibly similar to what happened to Brandon Lee. Imagine you die on a movie That's set. Ridiculous. You and
0: two other people die on a movie set. Someone goes, oh, that actually sucks. But Matt Damon turned down Avatar
1: and Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Sucks. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I just think it's whoever put this together, the level of stupidity, who put it together? Andy Green. Andy Green with an E on the end. <laughs> You're on top of my list and you don't want to be there. They didn't mention Brandon Lee. Judy Garland was at number 15, all the horrible abuse that she dealt with. The fucking people at the studios giving her barbiturates to put her to sleep to get her to lose weight. She was 16 years old when she signed on to play Dorothy Gale. To get through it all, the studio gave her a nearly toxic assortment of barbiturates and amphetamines designed to wake her up in the morning, fall asleep at night, and keep off any excess weight. It didn't take long for her to become hopelessly addictive. Like, she died when she was 47. She looked 20 years older. She was addicted to all these pills that the studio gave her. Above that, number 16 is Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars. He also was a dumb decision. I'm sorry, I don't think that putting in Judy Garland's struggle at MGM, got her hooked on prescription pills. That's not a dumb decision. That's tragedy. That's something illegal. You can't put it next to cats and the, like, editing out the buttholes of the cats. This shows how we
0: flatten cinema and Hollywood and this entire industry and how we just simply don't view it as real. Because when we can look at things like that and go, oh, yeah, but you know what was worse? When Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were handed... The wrong envelope at the Oscars. Oh,
1: oh, you know what was really bad? When Francis Ford Coppola cast Sophia in The Godfather 3. I mean, and I can imagine like a bunch of film bros reading it and being like, yeah, that was really awful. Like it's, I just can't imagine someone putting this together and saying, oh, great work. You can't talk about the death of someone on a set and then next to the addiction of someone who was facilitated by a studio, by one of the studios. Not that anyone's ever done anything about that. Next to stupid shit like Jar Jar Binks and Sophia Coppola. Make a separate
0: list that's bad casting decisions in Hollywood because we can talk about that for days. Oh, I could write a thesis. I could write a PhD. Someone pay us to write these articles because we'll do a better job.
1: But I just think it's, I think it's ridiculous. If you really want to talk about poor decisions in Hollywood, maybe think about the time in what was it in the exorcist when they gave a bloody role to a serial killer maybe think about that no one knew (laughs) That's literally insane the radiographer there's a scene in the exorcist of when I think it's like when Regan the little girl has to go get like an MRI or whatever because she's like demonic and there's a radiologist in it and Paul Bateson is a convicted murderer and former radiographer. He appeared as a radiologic technologist in a scene in the 1973 film *The Exorcist*. And then he was he was later found to be a serial killer. I'm like, that's that's a bad decision. There's also for years, like last century, obviously, like early
0: ni- early to mid 1900s, because they couldn't use CGI snow. They would
1: use asbestos on set. I always think about that scene in The Wizard of Oz when they're walking through the field and it's all asbestos. Yes. And I think someone quite famous, I think Steve McQueen died of something asbestos related. He had a cancer associated with asbestos exposure for which there's no known cure. He believed it was all the asbestos used in movie soundstage insulation. And the protective suits because he did so many driving movies.
0: Yeah, they didn't know at the time, but it was a it was a bad decision, but not as bad as that
1: one time Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Yeah, oh oh truly, truly. I'm so glad that you mentioned the asbestos thing because as soon as I read this it was one of the first things I thought of. I was like, talk about a bad decision of the shit ton of asbestos being used. Didn't they use like lead paint on the Tin Man? Yeah, probably. I just think there's it's it's just some of the terrible stuff that's happened in Hollywood history does not include Matt Damon turning down Avatar or the people the two directors who got fired from the Han Solo movie halfway through. To be fair, I didn't know that John Travolta made a Scientology propaganda movie. I did learn that from this list. Oh yeah, look at us learning things. So that was that was something new. But obviously they go through a lot of the racist caricatures. But again They only make it to like number 13, Mickey Rooney, as a guy in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Only number 13. Judy Garland's still number 15. I just get so angry about that. I just find that really, really horrible. Who said yes to this list? Not me. Not us. Not not anyone. It's bloody stupid. It's like I love a good list
0: and I love when people compile things that make sense together. Reading this kind of gave me an aneurysm.
1: I think there's about four lists in here that they've compiled together, and it just does not make sense.
0: Illegal things that happened on Hollywood sets, bad casting decisions, bad adaptations, accidents on Hollywood sets, things that happened at the Oscars that got people talking.
1: 50 worst decisions, maybe everyone joking about Harvey Weinstein all the time at different award shows when no one did anything about it. Maybe think about that. That's a pretty bad decision. (laughs)
0: who's having that conversation
1: yeah who is having that conversation (laughs) thank you oh my god I love quoting Oprah well let's talk about all the times people have been shut down in lawsuits also bad decisions like oh it's all ridiculous stop lumping in stop lumping in stupid things when actually bad things have happened and I get that that's a real downer of a list writing just terrible things that have happened but like wake up babes that's the history we didn't pitch this story. Like, we
0: don't have to sell this list as a thing. No, this guy it's did. Absolutely, and it it's ridiculous. This pitch was accepted. Nah, it's some of the dumbest stuff I've ever read.
1: Ever. Ever. Roll, I just Rolling think it's Stone. ridiculous.
0: Hire us. We are
1: two lovely little list girls. And we'll write a better one than this. God. Did you see that Elle Fanning is going out with um, the son of the guy who founded Rolling Stone? I think. <laughs> no. Just like, sorry. I was wondering where that was going to tie in. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's the Rolling Stone CEO, Gus Wenner. I think his dad was Jan Wenner, who was, yeah, Jan Wenner, founder of Rolling Stone. Anyway, sorry, how did I get onto this? Oh, yeah, El Fanning's going out with him. So, El, can you talk to him for us, please? Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that list is stupid as heck. Everyone go read, read it. it and then... Read it and agree with us. Yeah.
0: Read it and rant.
1: But yeah, the fact that they didn't, they t- they talked about Cats, but they didn't talk about the Ross shooting. They didn't, me- I can't believe they didn't mention Brandon Lee's shooting. It's been touched on more recently by Tarantino. Like they have just
0: completely gone, oh yeah, no, 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 that's no, fine. Yeah. But and do now that the time that they
1: announced La La Land over Moonlight? That was awful. Yeah. Or the time when um the, what happened with Tarantino and Uma Thurman on Kill Bill, that horrible video when, do you remember like when he made her drive the car when it like wasn't insured or whatever, or she wasn't comfortable driving and there was that horrible video of her driving and it crashed and she oh got like, and she got seriously injured from it and he pressured her into doing it. That's wow. a bad, pa- that's a bad decision. And there's like dash cam footage of it, but then he wouldn't give her the dash cam footage. Again terrible
0: but not as bad as cats which was awful i'd never want to see an idris elba shaped cat ever again
1: but yeah that's that's it for this week we're gonna call it there and
0: rant further
1: a lot of this was ranting but we hope you enjoyed and please everyone go watch boiling point go and listen to julia
0: louis dreyfus and jane fonda I go love- and listen to
1: julia louis dreyfus everyone just have a lovely week and remember to rate review and subscribe and we have
0: a few projects in the works so tell your friends that's probably the biggest thing that could help us at the moment while we're figuring out other things tell your friends get people listening download
1: we love you that's all that's all thanks guys have a lovely week bye bye